You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Please turn with me in God's Word to Philippians 4. We'll begin reading at verse 2, and we'll read through verse 13. I plead with Yodia and I plead with Syntyche to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you have had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Congregation of our Lord, in this section of Philippians, uh, Paul speaks to this church about something that has been going on in the Ephesians, in the Philippian church that was, that was quite significant. We are told of a season in which there were these two women, Euodia and Syntyche, who had had a disagreement. And it was a disagreement significant enough to get their names put in the Bible about it. I mean, think about this. Imagine if, imagine if Paul wrote a letter to Langley. And two of our ladies here got their names put at the back chapter, the fourth chapter. And you could look as a child and you could say, here's my grandmother's name and the other lady in the church. And they had had a a disagreement and it made itself into the Bible. And people will have sermons on this passage about Grandma Euodia and Syntyche. For a couple thousand years. It's quite something. These are real women. In a real season of distress. 
We all have seasons in our lives. Seasons of joy, of health. Seasons where dreams are coming true. Seasons where the wind is in our sails. Then we have difficult seasons, challenging seasons. Seasons where we don't know where God wants us to be. Last week, I just went through this. A church just gave me a call. Season. We have seasons where we have to make decisions. Seasons where we look to the Lord for wisdom, for strength, for guidance. You and I, we have much to think about in our lives, don't we? We have our work. We have our families. We have the daily grind of relationships, of parenting, marriage. And there is much in life that can threaten us. Threaten to, for that connection between us and the Lord Jesus, for that connection to be functionally disconnected. Yes, we are in Christ, but functionally in our lives. We can grow through great times in our lives where we are disconnected from Christ. Philippi knew these seasons. And for Yodi and Syntyche, they are told in this chapter, in this section here, they're, they're told of a verse 3, a loyal yoke fellow, someone else, to help these women. And these were women, as we notice here in this text, Paul reminds them, these are women who at one time contended with Paul, were partners with Paul in the ministry of the Gospel. They labored at my side along with others. They were able to work with others, with Clements and other fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. And you notice something about this. You notice that Paul, you know, you have the question of assurance of faith. And Paul says to these women, your names are in the book of life. That's if you ever wondered if you where you are, Paul says, don't worry. This is where you are, Euodian Syntyche. But you need to learn to agree with one another in the Lord. How does he address this? We're not even told what their issue was about. But we see something of it, I think, in the following verses. As Paul seeks to reorientate these Sisters to Christ. Functionally reorientate them to the Christ through His Gospel. We notice this first command. And it's a double command. A very familiar verse, I trust. It says, children, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again. Rejoice. Your mom says, clean up your room. And I'm going to tell you again, clean up your room, right? There's a command. Well, Paul is saying something of that here in this, but he's saying rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Always. Continually. And if you missed it, rejoice. So often in our seasons in which we have our struggles, This is the one of the first things that leaves us. As Reformed people, we have reason, the most reason, to be those who are rejoicing people 
And we might say, well, that's kind of easy for you to say, Pastor. What are you going through? Or, I mean, what do you do when you're, can we always rejoice? We know from Philippians chapter 1 that Paul was in prison at the writing, at the time of the writing of this letter. You remember, boys and girls, when Paul was in Philippi for the first time, what happened to him? Where was he? He was in prison. And what did he do in prison with his co-worker Silas? They were rejoicing, weren't they? The prison walls came tumbling down at that earthquake. Paul knew what it was like to suffer. He knew what it was like to be stoned. What it was like to be rejected, to be hated, to be flogged. And yet he holds before this church again this rejoicing. Think what the rejoicing of Paul and Silas did for this church. Amazing. And so this rejoicing in the Lord in our lives, it is a command that we are to do. Not when we just feel like it. But who we are in Christ, out of that we are to rejoice in Him. This vertical living connection with Christ. So often in the swarm, the swirl of our anxieties, we begin to find our identity not in Christ, but in ourselves. It's part of the disorientation, the disconnection. And what Paul here is doing in this first verse, he is reorientating them, they are, he is reconnecting them to this life of what we are called to do, to be worshipers of God, to be rejoicers in the gospel and what God has done for us. That vertical connection. Habakkuk would speak about this. He would say, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine and the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, if you're in that situation, that means death to you. And Habakkuk says in chapter 3, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful. Notice how he's talking to himself. I will be joyful. He's counseling himself. I will be joyful in God my Savior. You see, what the gospel does, loved ones, is it centers us off ourselves and centers us in Christ. And we rejoice in the gospel. We look into our lives. You look into your life. Are we a rejoicing people? It's not just that, do we sing praise songs till we kind of feel a buzz? Maybe you did that when you were younger with rock music or something like that, and you got pumped up and rah, 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 okay, we're ready to go. No, this is a, this is not just, you know, singing till you get to somewhere where you want to be. This is understanding who we are. Who is the Lord? We rejoice in the Lord. What has the Lord done for us? You think of Philippians 2. The Lord came and served me. I am in Christ. You know, I have this situation, Yodi and Syntyche, whatever it was, but Christ has come for me. He has taken all my guilt, all my pollution, my miserable self, the sin that still clings to me. He still loves me. Paul said at the beginning of Philippians, He who began the good work, well, you know, we're not really sure. No, He will be faithful to complete it. 
And we rejoice in this, that God holds on to us. Your names are written in the book of life, Paul would say. Wow. So we put that thermometer in our mouth and we ask, what is my spiritual temperature like? Am I someone who is rejoicing in the Lord? Does the gospel in my life impact me so that I am a person who is a rejoicing person? Or am I like a shriveled up prune or grape? Am I a dry, old, crusty Christian without one drop of juice left in me? Or do I have something to rejoice about? Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. You see, if we have something to rejoice about, if we have the vertical thing reorientated and we know that, that will affect the horizontal. And so beautiful. You notice Paul goes right to the horizontal. Look at verse 5. He says, let your gentleness be evident to some people. Say that? No, let your gentleness be evident to all. That's hard, isn't it? (laughs) It's really difficult. Let your gentleness be evident to all. You see, when our lives are functionally centered, orientated to Christ, living out of Christ, It changes the way we relate to people. You know, when we lose our joy in the Lord, we try to build our own little kingdoms. We try to control things according to our own will. We try to manipulate, get our agenda passed. We have a foot tapping impatience about ourselves. We are harsh angry at times. And we lose this Christian spirit of gentleness. Paul would write in first or second Corinthians ten, he says, By the meekness and gentleness of Christ. You think about that. By the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold when away. You think about in our lives how God has been gentle with us, with me. Christ has come and he's dealt with me with my sin. I I don't deserve a thing that he's given me. How gentle God has been with us. He came to serve pathetic me. I rejoice in that. But that's got to transfer into my life, into my relationships. Doesn't mean we become a pushover, a limp noodle. He's, he's not a limp, Paul's not a limp noodle with, with Yodi and Syntyche, is he? He brings the word. Tenderness, compassion, Love. So often when we get disorientated from the Lord, we seek to live our lives according to our own plans, our own agendas, trying to get our own way. People get in the way. 
Our spouses get in the way. Our children get in the way. Our parents get in the way. Our elders get in the way. Our pastors get in the way. Our teachers get in the way. Our coaches get in the way. Our friends get in the way. By the meekness and gentleness of Christ. You think of the gentleness of Jesus. Rejoice in the gentleness of Jesus. Paul says here, you know, where does this lead? It's, it's just really amazing at the end of verse 5. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. Do we believe that? I mean, obviously we believe that. But do we really believe it functionally in our lives when things aren't going as we want? Do we yield things to His sovereignty, to His control? Do we believe that He is really watching us? You know, unbelief, the unbelief in our hearts, it so often leads us to be tyrannized by the fear of man. It's not really living in the light of the glory and power of God, the presence of God. The Lord is near. That's a freeing thing. Doesn't always answer all our questions, does it? Doesn't always take away the troubles that we are going through. But we trust, we think of Romans 8.28, that He does work out all things for our good to those who love Him who have been called according to His purpose. And then Paul shifts gears in verse 6. He commands them not to be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving to present their requests to God. Don't be anxious. And this is a passage, these are verses that could really be misunderstood where we could think, you know, to be a good Christian means that I'm not an anxious person. I don't have any concerns. I just walk around going, whatever. The kid just crashed the car. Whatever. Not worried about it. Whatever. And we have, you know, people talk like this for since the time of the beginning. We called them the Stoics. The Stoics just said, you know, Whatever, I'm calm. Calm, cool, and collected. Nothing's going to move me. And Christians have looked at this passage and said, well, that's maybe what we need to do. Just to be good Pauline Stoics. But we aren't Stoics. And we're not to be. Stoics. We care deeply about situations. We care deeply about our children. We care deeply about brothers and sisters in Christ. And so having a healthy anxiety, a godly anxiety, a godly concern is a good thing. We look at Philippians 2, verse 20. Paul there talks about 
Timothy, verse 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I've received news about you. Look at what Timothy's heart is like. Verse 20, I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. The same word in the original of, of really having a godly, having this concern, a holy concern, a holy anxiety, not an anxiety of unbelief, of not trusting God, but a holy concern. And verse 26 also speaks something of this too. It says, for he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Talking about Epaphroditus, another fellow worker who was sick. For he long, Epaphroditus longs for you all and he's distressed because you heard he was ill. So there's, as we think about the longings of our heart, one of Distinguish between anxiety that is an expression of love, of concern, and a sinful anxiety that's rooted in unbelief where we, we're not really trusting God. We're not yielding to God. We know so much of our anxieties send our minds, our worlds, into a spin that goes out of control. And we try to find control. We try to manipulate. We try to get what we want. Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. Can we give things over to God? We understand in our lives, what are the things that I am responsible for as a parent? What are the areas of my life where I can say something, but I can't control it? I give that over to God. Or let other people be responsible for their own actions. Now what's my area of concern? How I want to speak into situations. As Paul is speaking into the situation of Yodi and Syntyche. Paul himself had enough things to think about, enough concerns. He wasn't just this guy who was just sitting in an Italian you know, restaurant, Italian Starbucks, sipping espressos on the Italian promenade or something like this and saying, oh yeah, don't be anxious about anything. No, he's sitting in prison. He's got Epaphroditus sick. He's trying to send Timothy to Philippi. He's got lots to think about. You read chapter 3 of Philippians and you think about the false teaching that was going on. So many things. Yet Paul, in so many ways, uh, we see him giving these things to the Lord, but we also see his godly concern, a holy concern for the church in Philippi. In fact, all of the letter of Philippians is really a, a letter of concern, of teaching. Teaching to this young church. And... We think about our minds and what is going on so often in our minds as we think about things. Paul, uh, he expands on this, not in our text, but just look at verse 8 for a moment. He, he tells these, this congregation where to park their minds to try by God's grace 
to think on things that are holy, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure. So many of these words you get one after another after another and we kind of lose what the next one is because there's so many. But you think about you pick one. Whatever is lovely. Something of a healthy way to begin to think about in our lives if we're in the swirl of of anxiety. What is lovely? What is lovely about today? What is lovely about these people that are maybe driving me a little bit nuts? If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That's really hard, isn't it? I know it's hard. It's very hard. And then we have to go back when it's hard. We go back to verse 4 again. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. What has God given me? Do I have, have I forgotten again how God has been gentle with me, forgiving with me? The Lord is near. Can I think, think about things that are lovely and right and good? Paul kind of does this already at the beginning in chapter, of chapter four, uh, verse three. Uh, he, he reminds them of, of the earlier season. He's, he doesn't first of all say, well, yeah, you had this problem and I heard from so and so and blah, blah, blah. What does he do? Yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement. He's bringing to their own minds lovely days. Days of sacrifice when they work together. We need to be orientated in our minds. And we must be orientated in our prayers. Do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition or supplication. You see, this is, this is not some stoic kind of thing. This is, you know, prayers and supplications. Supplications are not, you know, just some kind of rote prayers. These are the prayers like the psalmist would pray. They're crying out to God. From the ends of the earth I cry to you while my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Lord, come here, help me, hear my supplication. A God who hears, a God who is present. God who is our Lord, our Savior, a God who serves us. Where does this lead? Well, Paul reminds them right before that, he reminds them that our prayers have to have thanksgiving to them. And so often in our times of anxiety, what do we pray for? You know what our prayer life's like. You know, I know what my prayer life's like in a time of anxiety. Lord, tell me what I need to do, right? 
Lord, tell me if I should accept this call or not. Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. Lord, tell me, tell me if I should date this person. Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. Should I go after this new job or not? Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. How am I going to help my child who's into these things that aren't so right? Tell me, tell me. Fix this child, 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 fix this child. Fix my spouse. And the joy in the Lord is all gone. In fact, you're complaining to God. I'm complaining to God because why did you give me this? Why did you give me Yodia? Why did you put Yodia in our church, right? With prayer and petition with thanksgiving. When the vertical is reconnected functionally in our lives, thanksgiving begins to become more and more of a reality. You think of the ancient Israelites as they came out of Egypt. They had forgotten, didn't they? They were filled with complaining. They wanted to go back to bondage. They wanted the cucumbers and melons rather than the manna. Thanksgiving. Where does this lead? Well, Paul tells us it leads to the peace of God. An amazing thing. It's the only place where peace comes from. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? That the peace, real peace, only comes from God? Do you believe that? Because if you don't, and very often we don't, then we think that we will get peace on our own terms. We will control and we will fight and we will manipulate. We will lie. We will atone for our own sins in our own way through our lies and whatever to get our peace. To win our war. Whoever side you're on, you're on Yodia's side or Syntyche's side. The peace of God. The shalom of God. The wholeness of God. is a peace that comes to us through Jesus. A peace that has come through the, comes through the gospel, the forgiveness of our sins. What is your only comfort in life and in death? It's comfort about, it's a question about peace. We realize who we are in Christ and we have all the reasons to rejoice. We don't want to minimize for a second our struggles, our questions. The peace that comes through Christ, the forgiveness of our sins, the adoption into His family, a living hope. A peace, as Paul would say at the very beginning, as we said, He who began the good work will be faithful to complete it, that God is near and God is working through the mess and the whirlwind of life to make all things new. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding 
will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's amazing. It's an amazing thing. Because we have so much coming at us, don't we? And God is here. God is present. God leads us through our storms. He's there to guard us, to protect us, and to lead us home to his Father's house. May God bless us. You know, Paul, he says at the end of this section here that he has learned contentment. Verse 12, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned, I have learned, I have learned, I have learned. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. We are learning too. Yodi and Syntyche were learning. Paul was learning. We are learning. God is our teacher. God is, has given us all things and we're, we'll get to walk with Him forever and ever and ever. And in these days, God continues to teach us through the things of life that come our way. And those things, may we be those people who remember to rejoice in the Lord. Not sometimes, but always. May we be those who remember that when the vertical is connected, something changes in our relationships. Not because people start to be nice to us, but because someone has been nice to us. The Lord Jesus. Let your gentleness be known to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. We hold on with faith to our God. And everything with prayer or living connection, we're talking to God. Prayers come alive. We have reasons to give thanks. The peace of God enters in, transcending all understanding, guarding our hearts and minds. In Christ Jesus. May God bless us in our walk with Him as we continue to learn these things for Jesus' sake and for His kingdom and for His glory. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.